0: Hi, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, things change, and when we vote, things get better. This is a show about Georgia politics and beyond, making your voice matter, all with a side of snark and a side of Southern sass. Hi, I'm Mara Davis. And I'm Senator Jen Jordan. Welcome to our first podcast. Okay, so this is a, a very exciting thing. Welcome. Uh, Senator Jen has agreed to be a part of the podcast world.
1: I know. So exciting.
0: So I want to give a little background on how the two of us got together. Um, Jen, uh, you're a senator. Tell us what uh, district you're senator of. So I represent um, the the
1: sixth district, which in it encompasses large parts of Cobb County and Fulton County, City of Atlanta, Smyrna, Vinings, um, Sandy Springs. So, the suburbia that we hear all about, um, we're smack in the middle of it. And was this your first term? No, I won a special election in 2017. Um, so, this is my first full term, I just finished. Um, and then I'm running for re-election in November.
0: Okay. So now that we got that meat and potatoes out there about who you are and why you're here, I became, so th- just for those listening, w- this is the first time we've actually met in person. And it's very COVID friendly. I want everybody to know. Um, but I became fascinated with Jen after watching her speech on the House floor with the uh, House Bill 481, which was the heartbeat bill. And the first time I really saw you or became aware of you was watching your magnificent speech. And, you, and not only were you speaking so eloquently and beautifully, and it, it connected with me so much, that white crisp suit that you're wearing, everybody can look that up on YouTube, and um, we can listen to a little bit of it here. No
1: abortions over 20 weeks. This is the current state. So how does this bill change the law? It will now effectively ban all abortions before an embryo or fetus is viable outside of a uterus and before a woman or girl knows that she's pregnant. We keep talking about six weeks pregnant. You know what that means? That means that maybe the woman is about one to two weeks late after an expected menstrual period. And yes, I am talking about stuff I don't want to talk about in this chamber, but let me tell you something. If you're going to get into the most private areas where women are, then you're going to have to listen to it. Today, Senate Republicans ignore precedent, medical experts, women, and the OBGYNs in this state, the very physicians whose whole job it is to deliver healthy babies and to keep women healthy. If you want more healthy women and babies, if you want to care for women and babies, if you value life truly, you would listen to the people who dedicate their lives. This is what they do. But instead of that, not only are they ignored, but they have been threatened and told to stand down or face cuts to, let me be clear because we heard it in the beginning, cuts to maternal health funding. Family planning funding, rural birth centers, all the things that we said we were funding, yeah, there have been threats. You know what? Voters have a right to know the links to which members of this body will go for politics. And let me be clear, that is what a woman has a right to know.
0: So I listened to that speech and thought, wow, I really have to get to know this woman. Um, and so I reached out to you. I don't know how much you know about this. So I reached out to you on Twitter in your direct message. And I said, are you looking for anybody to do your PR? Because I'll do it for free. I don't care what, if whatever you need, I'm going to do it for you because you move me so much.
1: No. And I remember getting that message and I was like,
0: oh, Merritt Davis, Well, you didn't respond to me directly. I don't remember who I dealt with at first. I
1: think it was probably my aide because at that point in time, we were we were getting a lot of incoming because of uh, the speech and because of, you know, the attention around all of the various um, heartbeat laws that were um, passing in, in a lot of the southern states. So, you know... Um, we had a lot of emails, a lot of calls, a lot of direct messages. Um, and so she kind of had stepped in at some point. Um, but, you know, I'm such a fan of yours from um, your your music mix days. And
0: your voice, you know, is so familiar to me. Well, this is a love fest. <laughs> so then we decided to uh, just... Go back and forth, and at that time, um, let's go back to that for a minute because your speech that you gave um, really put you on the national stage, and you got so much attention from it. But you weren't really expecting that, were you?
1: No, and in fact, that wasn't the purpose of the speech. Um, you know, the purpose of the speech was to try to move some of the people in the chamber um, and and talk about you know um, choice and. Um, women's health care and abortion rights in a way that hadn't been talked about before. And so I was incredibly surprised when the speech went viral because, you know, it was one of the last speeches of the day. Everybody was tired um, and it didn't really move any of my Republican brethren. So, you know, when we came out of that situation, you know, it was a very dejected, you feel very dejected you know, when you kind of put it out there and thinking maybe you're going to change somebody's heart. Um, And then when it doesn't happen, you know, that's kind of tough.
0: Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this anymore. So let's move on to the next thing. And that is a direct mail piece that I received.
1: Yeah. So you got
0: a Trump mailer, which was fascinating. So you are in the process right now of you are running for office. So you are campaigning, which is campaigning at a very odd time because we are in covid covid times. And I got a Donald Trump Jr. mailer, which I found to be very odd because I um, have not voted Republican but I got this. Why do you think that is? I have no
1: idea. Because so let me walk you through the process in terms of what campaigns normally do Um, and what the Republicans are actually really, really good at, which is targeting. Um, So all of your information is out there in the ether. Um, And they come up with a list of folks that they think are their voters. Um, or at least in their universe of uh, people that they can persuade in some way. Um, And then those are the folks they send mailers to. Republicans do it. Democrats do it. um, And a lot of times they will focus their message or craft their message around who they're sending it to. They can send it just to mothers. They can send it just to people of a certain age. And then so um, folks over 60 will get the mailer about Medicare, folks under We'll get you know about education and schools or whatever, but it's it's very specific and it's hyper focused um,
0: because you can't send to everybody anyway. I mean, it, that's
1: is direct it's too much mail money.
0: now. Now that mail is so much in the news, Jen is is direct mail is that effective now? Well, it's a problem because it used to be
1: you would wait until right before the election. And then you would time it so that somebody would be getting a mail piece like every other day because there's a psychology around um, because we know people get it and throw it away. Right. But the whole point is, is that they get it and at least for, you know, a micro second, they look at it. Right. And so it's about kind of just reinforcing that um, psychologically. And so it has to be really close together and there has to be so many pieces for that to be effective.
0: But it seems like an expensive way to fundraise.
1: Well, that's what's so weird is that the Donald Trump Jr. uh, piece is asking for money for the
0: legal defense fund. so that was weird. And the other thing was all the work it was asking me to do. It was asking me to read in this generation. So, so do you think that I got it maybe because of my age, because I'm 51 and I'm older and maybe they think I have time to read a letter or I, I, I you know, I don't know because I, I, I can barely read a paragraph anymore. Um, And then there's this really, I mean, I'm not even going to read aloud the survey questions. Um, Maybe if you, one sticks out to you, but they're all like totally twisted and weird.
1: Well, and, and, and so it's long, it's super long (laughs) and it's like front and back. And then they want you to do the survey and then they want you to give them money. Um, And it's all going to go to a legal proceedings
0: fund. That's kind of bizarre to me. So let me ask you this. Did they think if you're, um, sending out a direct mail piece for election do you think if you send out a hundred and you get back one you did it's it was worth it i mean there are
1: kind of metrics around it like you know in the people who do this i mean it is it's like a science um but this seems um this seems messy this doesn't seem like somebody (laughs) somebody wasn't really doing their targeting appropriately here um but what's interesting to me is that really the questions, they say that it's a survey where they're really trying to um, get your thoughts on things, but but really the questions are um, in the form of, for anybody who's ever heard of a push poll, so basically it's a question like, um, if you knew that uh, Mara Davis hated puppies, would you vote for her? <laughs> Right. Right, So the question is not that they really care about getting the answer to the question. They're really just trying to get some negative information out there about you or to paint a picture about you. And that's what all of these questions um, are. It's like, do you believe Republicans deserve credit for getting us through this global pandemic? Um, Or do you believe the Democrats socialist regulation will destroy jobs? I mean, come on.
0: Is that are those real
1: questions? They're not. (laughs) They're not. 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 It's crazy.
0: I love the way you read it. I'm so glad you read it over, yeah, uh, instead of me. Okay, so well, I I, I'm I was thinking about sending it back with some snarky answers, but then I don't want to put my address because I don't want them to come back to me or whatever. You will
1: be entered into a database, and then because you responded, my guess is you will forever get um, mail from. Republicans. Well,
0: maybe I want that for this podcast info. Mm. I don't know. Okay. Maybe. Well, let's, we'll keep talking about that. I did save it, even though I did receive it on August 19th, and the due date to send it back was August 10th. <laughs> the fact that they're even giving you a due date? Like, come on. It's like like 20-something questions,
1: and then they want you to, like, give them money, and then, but they're also going to tell you you have to do it by a certain time. That's it's the
0: craziest thing it, I've ever heard. It's bizarre. So do you think that the um, Georgia GOP is aware of that?
1: So all of this is coming from the national level. Okay. And um, for legal reasons, all of these entities really are legally separate. Um, the national party can give money to the state party, and there really isn't a limit on that. Um, but I don't think there's any real coordination with respect to this kind of stuff. Okay. I think there is maybe other ways, um, but fundraising for a legal proceedings fund, especially when we're in the middle of a campaign year, when candidates, Republican and Democrats alike, are asking in fundraising. Um, you know, you don't necessarily want to cannibalize um your own donors right like especially if you're if you're wanting to win an election in november i mean i'd rather give money to a candidate rather than some legal proceedings fund
0: okay well that is a really good segue and i want your response to this because i think we're all inundated right now with political campaigns uh democrat republican the commercials are everywhere we see it online and obviously, you fundraising, too, for your campaign. And I think uh, it would be a great explanation from, for, from you right now, as a senator, why should we give to candidates and why should we focus on giving to local candidates? So I think
1: one thing we've learned from uh, the pandemic is that who represents us um, matters. I mean, it matters in a... really big way. Um, I think a lot of times politics feels really far away and um, policies really don't affect us, especially kind of state level and federal level. It's like the higher you get, um, the less salient it feels to our lives. Um, But I think that the pandemic has kind of really clarified for a lot of folks what we're talking about. And so all of that starts at the local level. I mean, at the local level, those are the people that are making the decisions that are probably, well, that probably most direct you on a daily basis. And um, so that's important to know who's running, know who you want to support, um, educate yourself as much as possible. But then the other part is the people that you do support, you should support them financially because let me tell you something, especially at the state level, um, senators and rep- and. House members don't get paid much. Uh, their salary is about 17000 a year. Um, and it is not full-time. So people are having to take off time from their jobs, from their businesses. And most folks that I know that run have actually, um, you know, taken a pretty significant financial hit in the sense of being away from work. Um, but they do it because, you know, they know it's the right thing or they want to do good things for people. And so it's so important if we want really good people to continue to serve that you almost have to look at it like an investment. It's like, okay, I want these types of candidates to run and these types of people to represent me. And so the only way to get there is to really invest in them, to make sure that they can get there because campaigns are incredibly expensive.
0: Because you're paying for your staff, you're paying for all your advertising, you're paying for all your direct
1: mail, you're paying for digital, all those crazy digital ads that pop up right and um, all the direct mail pieces that you um, are doing you know before the pandemic one thing um, it's called field was was a really big thing where you would have folks canvas go door to door um, and make contact with voters
0: Um, and so you personally or your campaign all of the above is that weird because yes when people (laughs) when people come to my door I do not like that. So I'm of the same, um,
1: I'm the same way. And it is probably one of the, the most uncomfortable things for me in terms, some candidates love going door to door. It kind of, I think maybe it's an extrovert, introvert thing. I don't know what it is, but um, some people really love it and get juiced by it. Um, all I can think about is how I'm putting people out. Because I know how I feel when people come to my door. It's like I just got home. I'm trying to cook supper. My kids, the dogs. I mean, everybody's going crazy, and it's like, yes, I support you. No, go. Away.
0: It's a we- It's a weird. It's a weird thing, and I. I bet that through. Um, but then you know, I think it's important to think of if you're living in a small, a, a smaller town, it's different, right? Because everybody knows each other, and. But
1: it's also think about it. It's. I mean, there are tons of benefits to it, but especially for people who aren't um, necessarily involved in politics, um, to have a candidate come to your door and actually talk to you about things, um, you know, it's pretty incredible.
0: Have you ever had an, a, 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 a big, I would think that could be effective because what we all get in trouble for is uh, we're behind a keyboard and you can lash out, you can have this accessibility to a candidate um, where, you know, as part of going back to what I was saying about, you know, asking questions to Kelly Leffler, like it would make a difference if I could talk to her in person. So that's probably very effective. Have you ever changed anyone's minds by
1: doing that? Probably. I mean, it's interesting. Look, we all have this thing where we have, um, you know, kind of preconceptions about people. Maybe we see an image, um, we see a picture of a candidate, um. You think you know them because they're a Republican or a Democrat, whatever it is, and you in your mind come up with who you think that person is. And so a lot of times um, when you meet someone and you actually have a normal human interaction um it does change people's perception because all of that kind of junk, all those preconceptions that we kind of bring to the fore, they go away and then it just becomes two people talking to each other.
0: Right, and now you have a pandemic. So now we have like, let's face it, you know, September, October, uh, the critical campaigning months. Um, That's gotta be tough uh, as someone running for office right now.
1: No, I think um, all campaigns are trying to figure out a, how do you connect with voters? How do, you, how do you get those real connections with people? Because that's what people are looking for. I mean, I think people are a lot less passive than they've been in the past. And I think they expect a lot more out of their candidates. And so the question is, how can you get in front of them? How can you communicate with them? Um, and how can you, you know, get their vote? And it's really difficult to try to find, you know, Real ways to talk to people and not just kind of random Zoom, you know, events.
0: Right. So moving on to our next topic um, is the Democratic National Convention, which um, is at the time we're recording this that's going on. And um, let's talk about Kamala Harris for a minute, because obviously I think she's the very big star of all of it. And you talking about campaigning and in person, and certainly it has been been an absolute game changer this year. Although I think they should make all the conventions virtual. I think it's just a big pep rally of everybody telling everybody how great they are. I don't know that the average voter is going to tune in one night and say,
1: that's it. But I don't know if they're for the average voter. That's what's interesting. It's, it's like, what is the purpose of the convention? You know, and I've been to two before, and I'm a delegate this year. Um, and it is such a bummer because they really are like big pep rallies. They really are for the people um, who are going to be on the ground and get those voters out. It's so energizing um, to be kind of in that space and feel that energy. Um, and then kind of take it into November. So it's been really weird. It's been nice, right? Highly produced, beautifully done, um, but just it's just
0: not the same. Well, that's a really really good take, which is why you're the you're the boss in this relationship.
1: No, uh, but but look, that's what's interesting. It's <laughs> yes. like, what's the point? Is the point to get to reach voters? Well,
0: that's the whole thing. So, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think we both agreed that. The roll call, that was my favorite part.
1: Yes. And they should definitely maybe keep that because regular roll call is like not fun.
0: So that was great. Now let's talk about Kamala Harris for a minute because this was a huge deal. First African-American vice presidential nominee. Um, I think a lot of people saw her and just felt, wow, this woman's so incredible. But we w- you had brought up um, this clip we're going to play about her grilling uh supreme court justice brett kavanaugh
1: can you think of any laws that give government the power to make decisions about uh, the male body
0: uh, i'm happy to answer a more specific question
1: male versus female
0: there are um medical procedures Okay,
1: that the government that the government has the power to make a decision about a man's oh, body.
0: I thought you were asking about medical procedures no, that are I, unique to I, men.
1: I can. I, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat the question. Can you think of any laws that give the government the power to make decisions about the male body? I'm not. A, I'm not a thinking of any right now,
0: Senator. Why did this speak to you so much about her,
1: man? You know. What's interesting is that she is clearly comfortable um, being a strong woman, and she's comfortable in her skin. Um, She knows what her strengths are, uh, and she uses them. And to me, I mean, you know, I can't imagine how intimidating the U.S. Senate has to be. And I can't imagine when you had all eyes and cameras on you when you have Justice Kavanaugh, you know, Brett Kavanaugh sitting there and you're having to question him. And man, she delivered. Um, that is, that's, that's difficult to do. So as, you know, as a woman and then as a lawyer, I was like, Ooh, I like that.
0: Isn't it interesting because what she was doing right there is, was a very simple A to B question. It wasn't a well, you know, read thing that she had to break it all down. It was yes or no. Well, and what was fascinating
1: is that, um, because it was so simple, there's not a way to get out of it. Right. There's not a way to kind of create this construct. Um, but I even remember watching it in the look on his face like like it, he was it was quizzical because he, he kind of looked up and you could see that he was really thinking like, huh, well, how about that? <laughs> and And that was such a great moment because it just kind of clarified exactly what we were we were dealing with.
0: So do you think enough people know her and understand her? Um, and know enough about her to feel comfortable about this ticket. Do you think people were happy with that choice?
1: I think so. I think it definitely. Look, it, in the middle of this pandemic, the fact that she had run for president, um, and has her own constituency, and and people who support her, and so we we've, we've gotten to know her, um, up to this moment. Because if if Biden would have chosen somebody that hadn't run office and wasn't really well known nationally, Um, in the middle of of what we're dealing with with the virus, how how do you get to know somebody like that? I mean, who's who may be in their state, a real superstar, but no one else knows nationally. So I think that this was a good pick on so many levels. But I think situationally, it was probably um, the best pick he could have made.
0: All right, so we're going to have to keep our eyes on all of that. And then, of course, the Republican National Convention is coming up, which uh, we will all watch, which I think will be interesting, too, because I think there's um, people who are Republicans and then there are people who are Trump supporters. So I think, uh, do you think it's challenging for them to get speakers because of that? No, I mean, I think that
1: there are people that are that are team Trump. I mean. Um, I mean, that's the thing about Trump. People either love him or hate him. And so the people that love him are willing to to go all in. Um, But what's interesting, and and I'm interested in what you think about the Democratic convention, because really, conventions are supposed to be really about the nominee and kind of, um, you know, what kind of messaging? What are you trying to present? So for me,
0: it feels like and I didn't um make this up i saw it on twitter it feels like a uh npr pledge drive um because the democrats are very like you know there's a lot of kumbaya and there's it's it's very you know we want to represent everybody we want to make sure that nobody's left out and there's a lot of peace and love and um you know, when you're watching it for four days, you're like, all right, we get it. We get it. Okay.
1: <laughs> you're a diverse party. <laughs> yes.
0: All right. So I think there are certain things about it that that I've enjoyed, like that roll call. I would watch a TV show on that all day long because I think that's what we're really lacking in politics and in America today is that we don't take the time to get to know each other. I mean, and just to give a small example, like the calamari in Rhode Island, The calamari comeback state of Rhode Island casts one vote for Bernie
1: Sanders and 34 votes for the next president, Joe Biden.
0: That is something that uh, Republicans and Democrats would be like, yeah, I love calamari. Whoa, cool. Rhode Island. That's where I feel like there's a part of 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 my interest in wanting to get to know re- Republicans and Democrats because we've lost that and I miss that and I think it's fair. So I worry about the Republican convention. Um, obviously, when this is out, it'll be going on, but. Um, because I don't like all that hardcore division. So there's been less of that. I mean, listen, it's it. both are going to call out and, and do what they have to do. But I definitely like the ideas of more unity. I just think maybe it's too many days, both sides, right? Well, so the
1: question is, in terms of the Democratic convention, if you were to um, just have a couple of words that you think, in terms of Joe Biden, right? What are you getting from that Democratic convention, in a couple of words, that, that you think is what Joe Biden is about?
0: Uh, saving our souls. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a lot of it. I, I, I would say experienced. I would say uh, someone who delegates, who's willing to delegate He's just a nice guy who loves his wife? Well, of course. I mean, look at her. I mean, she's an absolute knockout. I mean, she's like, oh my God, they showed her like running a marathon or whatever and she looks fabulous. And yeah, I mean, he's got all the... You know, but he's a career politician, too, and does not have a perfect record and has done some uncomfortable things that are not great. But totally, uh, I think here we are now and I feel like this this election is totally different. But like I, I will look forward to seeing Melania's speech and, and all of that, too. So I definitely have an interest in all that. I just um, wish there was less. I I think uh, we people want to get back to normal or do they? So we're just going to have to wait and see. We have an email address set up and a Facebook page, Vote Her Podcast, which you can definitely like that. So we're working on that. And we have a email address, which is voteherpodcast at gmail.com. And we want feedback from you because we want to end every show with a philanthropic cause. Um, let us know. And if it relates to politics or voting Even better? Absolutely. Even better. So, there are a lot of these organizations as far as like getting people out to vote and different initiatives. So, give us your feedback. And listen, if there's something that either of us said that you hated, please send that to us,
1: but just to us. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, no, I love mail. That's like from my days on the radio. Feedback is great. I mean, because I think when when criticism is constructive and fair, and that's why one thing I try to do on Twitter is I always try to turn a hater around. I always do. That is like... I, if someone like because i'll look at their feed or whatever and i think sometimes people just need a hug and nobody pays attention to them and then you're just mean 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 and then somebody is nice to you one day i learned that from sarah silverman who um befriended one of her haters on twitter and i just thought that was the greatest thing because there i believe we have more in common than different
1: well no and sometimes you just have to I mean, people have certain expectations or make certain assumptions, and sometimes you you need to make sure that they they know who you are as a human
0: being. That's right. So let's um, get back to that. We're going to keep talking Georgia politics. Uh, We want to thank Terminus Records. Uh, They've provided the music today, the Bellwether Project. We want to thank our executive producer, Christina Loringer. We could not do this show without her we would not know what we were doing amazing and when you find us on whatever podcasts or whatever platform you're listening to please give us a five star review even though it's just our first show so cut us a break we're gonna get better Um, but give us a good it feels like social promotion you have to do this at the end of every podcast that's what everybody do you know you give that laundry list I know Um, follow us on twitter at senator jen at mary davis and we will talk to you next time Thanks.